Hey, welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm the host, and I'm joined around the beautiful table with Paul Siemens. Hey, everybody. And Andy Steiger. Present. Good to be here. It's been a while, actually. My goodness, Andy. Mm-hmm. It has been a while. Honestly, where have you been this time? Uh, good question, Daniel. I was filming, actually. Um, well, we had a conference actually happening here ah. at the church, and uh, I was at Power to Change filming all week long, and mm. uh, I'm happy to say that it's over. It went very well, though. You don't like filming? No, it was... Yeah, I don't. No, it's brutal. You don't, it? like, you don't yeah. like the glitz and the glamour? Nope. You know what's brutal about filming is... Okay, so let me just tell you what it's like. Even with this, we were in studio, which makes it easier. But when you're out, you know, just out and about, not in studio, it's it's brutal because you don't realize how full of noises the world is. And every oh. time there is any noise whatsoever, a helicopter, a plane, a siren, a, a beeping from a backing up truck, you name it, or a loud motorcycle goes by, whatever you did, however great you gave those lines, has to be has to be redo. redone. Yeah, has to be redone. Wow. So you got to come back with that same passion over and over again. So for us to film 20 minutes of teaching, that takes equivalent of three hours of me delivering lines to be able to get one to get oh, that man yeah that would be frustrating when people yeah. talk about the glamour totally of television andy you know it's a grind it's a lot of hard work daniel it's a lot of hard work but we appreciate you for it and the other thing too though that goes through your mind and this is why i'm also glad it's over is so many things can go wrong uh the the people who are filming it can get sick. You can get sick. You could get a sore throat. You could break out in hives. I mean, any number of things can happen. Or one of the things that's happened in the past is uh, I, did, I did an entire shoot with Cassiar once. Uh, we shot all day long in Manning Park, this one thing. And uh, at the end of it, none of the sound was on. I don't, I don't remember what happened, but we didn't get any sound. Oh, my. Yeah, whole day gone. And then now you just got to go back and you got to do it again. But that kind of stuff happens quite rarely. I mean, there's so many opportunities for failures to come in. Anyway, I won't continue on it's with like, it. But I mean, glad it's done. yeah, it almost makes the you know the five mil not worth it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, about that. I'm still, that, I'm still, I'm still waiting about, isn't for that, what, that for human project. Isn't I that? will let you all know though that all proceeds, which there's not a lot, go all back <laughs> to the ministry. <laughs> well, I want to come back to that in a second, Andy, because you have a, something you want to announce. Yeah. Don't you? But Paul, first I want to, I mean, mm. you brought up, we were talking in our pre-production meeting. We were having a, a big chat about uh, some show called Stranger Things. I don't know. Have you heard of it, Andy? <laughs> Has anyone heard Daniel. of Stranger Things? Does anyone even know what Stranger Things is? Because I swear, I've not. heard nobody talking about it. not. I've heard no one telling me about it. I've heard no one saying, oh, I'm going to throw a marathon. I've seen it on nobody's phone. I've seen it on nobody's... No, uh, you these are all no lies, one's picture. Like, no, I mean... Lies. When I turn on Netflix now, like it, that is not the first thing smashing me in the face every yeah. time that I, I don't turn even, that on, is it? I don't even know is if that, it's on Netflix. I mean, is, oh, yeah, it might be uh, something. Anyways, Paul, anyway, you're talking about the this sarcasm show. sarcasm is great, right? And you're talking about how <laughs> you, know, you guys were reliving your days in the 80s. You know what? I, I Listen, I'm going to just make a confession I here. Think, I think that was actually 90s, though, for, uh, for I, Andy. Even though he was, he was sporting the 80s look in the 90s. I'll take that. Oh, yeah. For... <laughs> You're not thank, old enough thank you. To me. I did drive an '80s car. I drove yeah. a 1987 
Pontiac Trans Am. It was yes. red with a giant Firebird on the hood. <laughs> wow. Yes. It was the sexiest machine was it a that I could afford. Was it a T-roof where you could remove <laughs> No, the no, that was a no. whole nother level. Andy, did, did you I wear a shirt in the car or no? Yes, I may have been wearing a white tank top and uh, rocking out to Bon Jovi. Uh, that song, Steel oh, Horse. Yes, you were right. You mean Steel the, Horse. Yes. A cowboy. And, and then Wanted the, dead or alive. This is the best part about the car, though, is the car ha- had a loose connection between the engine and the transmission, so it flexed. So every time you stepped on the gas, I thought this was the best. The front <laughs> of the car would lift up. Oh, my <laughs> yes. And so when I would leave school, I'd just, just rev it, and you'd just see the front. Like It was like this thing just couldn't wait to take off, and then it would go like you know 10 miles an hour down the street. You know? just, yeah. Yeah. It's so great. Just burning gas. <laughs> yeah. $10. <laughs> Accelerate down the road. 10 so bucks. this is 90s high school life in Portland. That was. That absolutely was. No, I was watching Stranger Things. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you here. Okay. This is a safe place. <laughs> First two episodes, I wasn't impressed. And season one. Yeah, season one. But mm. then by uh, episode four, I was fully, fully committed to that mm. show and uh, absolutely loving it. I think Toothless mm. has got to be my favorite. Guy's fantastic. Oh, that guy, yeah, Dustin, right? Uh, Dustin, yeah. yeah. They yeah. they basically went looking for the two, the three creepiest looking kids, <laughs> and they're like, "You, you're hired, <laughs> aren't they?" Like, especially the main character with the black hair, like, it's a oh, Will, kid. Yeah. Uh, no, no, uh, no, just, no, the other kid. Um, I can't remember his name. I don't even know. They're, I mean, that's just an awkward stage of life. Yeah. Right. I mean, but you know that you, you right when come on, you should aren't they be shaving off of and nobody's Goonies telling thing? you that you should be shaving and you, and it's just like this. Yeah, it's true. Peach fuzz mustache and it's it's just kind of embarrassing. Oh true. man, I had that peach fuzz mustache up until grade seven, which is oh. a caterpillar that lived on my face. <laughs> yes. If you look at my passport photo, you're like, that kid's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look Spanish? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but the the show, if you haven't seen the show though, it's actually it's actually a fun show to watch. Now, Paul, you yeah, said they but changed I, I mean, it. You got to put the the disclaimer out there, right? I mean, there is in a, there's there's inappropriate language. There's some inappropriate suggestive scenes, all of that, all that kind of stuff. So so be totally warned. Like we aren't endorsing the show as being, you know, you must watch this. But but it's. Yeah, it's one of those shows that that is addictive once you get going. It's entertaining, it. and there's absolutely no substance to it whatsoever, right? <laughs> Other than pure entertainment, pure it is pure entertainment now, value <laughs> and Paul, nostalgia. Paul, you were saying that uh, they've changed some stuff recently. Does that make you angry? No, hold on, we're talking about season two. No, season season one. One. we are talking about season one. You That's went back right. and rewatched it. And you said they changed yeah, stuff. Yeah, so you. It, it used to be when you would watch it. There's this one scene where. So, I mean, just you don't see the monster. There's a monster in this show in Stranger Things. But there was one scene where somebody goes missing and you don't see the monster. That's how it originally was. But now if you go back and watch it, they show it all to you. So it removes that kind of that suspense or or I don't know what old Alfred Hitchcock movies used to make them so so good was the fact that you were just um, imagining what happened. Did you ever see the rather movie than the actually showing it? No, I didn't. You didn't? I don't even know if that's Hitchcock, though. It is. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've just never seen it. My mom told me that was the scariest movie she'd ever seen. There you have yeah. it. And then I oh. watched it. Or and was what's like, his name? Are you M. kidding Night me? M. Night <laughs> Right? Like his, his movies. That's actually well pronounced. His, his, at least his first couple movies yeah. were... Where the kind of where that kind of thing where there was so much suspense, he wouldn't actually show you what happened, but you were 
you just had this suspense build up within you and that was that's good that's good movie making yeah good storytelling good entertainment but but yeah now the producers or whatever have gone back and changed things so it's not not as strange as it used to be mm-hmm. speaking of producers andy you have in front of you a mug that you have produced yes why don't you tell us cuz this is the human project mug it is i don't know if you've been if you've listened to the program before the show you would we we made fun of andy for having his human project mug yeah, I made my own human project mug and I was, you know, I did it for fun and everybody was loving the thing. And so then I thought, you know what? I need to bless the people with the human project mug. No, what happened was we're heading to Uganda soon to film with um, Banana Bread Barb. As many of you know, she has an orphanage over there and she's fantastic. Yeah. Bakes banana bread yeah. uh, to help fund uh, the Barb orphanage. Gerard, if you don't, if you don't know her as Banana Bread Barb. Correct. And, and so she's, she's great. And when... We, uh, as we've been planning to go over there and film in Uganda with her at that orphanage for this scene we're doing, um, we it came to our attention that last time she was in Uganda, uh, she came across an orphanage that had been abandoned, and they were there's something to the tune of twenty children mm-hmm. uh, that have been have been abandoned and just basically left to try to survive on their own. Mm-hmm. She is bringing them into her orphanage and and is seeking to care for these children. Uh, Many of them are quite young. And in Uganda, uh, an orphanage has a responsibility as part of their law there that they have to provide education for these kids. Now, obviously, they'd want to do that anyways, but they have to do that right away. So one of the things that we thought we'd do that would just help out is we created these human project mugs that we're selling for 20 bucks, and basically we're, we're giving them the money. Uh, 100% of the proceeds to go towards the work that she's doing. And so nice. we just, and it's not, you know, it's nothing huge, but it's just, it's something. And the other thing I like about it is that a mug like this is a great conversation starter. So if you're at work, you know, wherever you are and you have a project, you have, you know, this human project mug, uh, it, you know, it's an opportunity for you to share about that orphanage, an opportunity for you to share about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's something great. that a lot of people would care about as well. The fact that, yeah, you're advocating for the, those who are receiving injustice in this world. Mm-hmm. And I think even the non-Christian can get behind that. Yeah. And so, yeah, hey, you could buy them for your non-Christian friends and she they can, can donate 20 bucks. She can get them here at Northview uh, through the office or you can grab a mug uh, online and we'll ship 20 it 20 bucks. You. Yep. How many are available? We Thus far, we've only printed 170. 170. All yeah. right. And I think we've already gone through 30 or something. Wow. And that's, All right, that's just today. All right, extra listeners, it's that's on you. That's just today. <laughs> yeah. So get yourself Extra a mug. listeners, come in, get Help a mug. banana support, bread barb. Yeah, support Barb's ministry. Mm-hmm. And drink coffee while you're at it. Yeah, or yes. tea. Sure. Or hot and, chocolate. And buy some of the banana bread and have it with your tea or coffee. By the way, uh, people don't know this, but Daniel does have a weakness to that Superman complex he has, and that is banana bread. Oh my gosh, banana bread, dude. He loves banana bread. If you want to donate banana bread to this podcast. If you're a lovely single young woman out there and you want to just steal Daniel's heart, that is the quickest route. Banana bread. Banana bread. That's <laughs> <laughs> Daniel. Daniel's like, don't don't say that. All right, this podcast Secrets is over. Out. Thanks, yep, Andy. This has been a great out. episode. Thanks for everyone for joining us. <laughs> Guys, I want to uh, I want to take it a little bit serious here in the sense that I want to talk to you. Actually, Andy, something that somewhat relates to the human project in the sense of dehumanization. And we had this conversation recently after a young adult's evening one time where we were talking about, um, and Paul, I want you to chime in here too, 
Uh, we were talking about alcohol and how when we abuse alcohol, something that isn't inherently a bad thing, mm. but when we abuse it, um, it causes us to often uh, dehumanize people and, uh, and to uh, abuse them. Mm. Uh, with our words, with our actions and whatnot. Mm. And I just want to hear from you guys, what are some of the, as we just, I mean, this is a pretty broad and you guys can take this where you want, but within this discussion of Christians and alcohol, what are some of the good things? What are the benefits? What are some helpful tips you give people? And what are some of the dangers that you have seen? Well, I'll start with a, a danger. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, just to give context to the conversation Daniel and I were having is I, a friend of mine uh, is a judge, and he and I were having dinner not long ago and talking, and I was just asking him what kind of cases is he dealing with a lot. And he said, you know, Andy, he goes, one of the cases, and he just dealt with one that day, and he says, but I'm dealing with consistently, is young women who are being raped, uh, and they are raped while they're at parties. And basically what he says is, mm. I comes across, he, he's constantly dealing with cases in which a young woman goes to a party and drinks uh to the point of un- being unconscious mm. and then wakes up having been raped. Mm. And, and so he was just sharing with me, you know, venting his frustration and, and, and the frustration was multifaceted, you know, on the one hand frustrated that we live in a culture in which women are raped, you know, which is absolutely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, then a frustration on the other hand that he continues to deal with these cases in which people, both men and women continue to put themselves in these vulnerable positions yeah. and then are surprised when horrible things happen to them. Mm. And, and basically just speaking uh, of, his con- of, of his frustration, but I think that there's just common sense to be found there. Uh, that, you know, this isn't just, by the way, a, a women's, it's a women and a men's issue. Uh, that you need to be careful uh, with the decisions that, you, that you're making and not assuming that, I guess maybe we could say not assuming the best of humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, that if I right. binge myself unconscious here that I'm not going to be taken advantage yeah. of. Yeah. And the, uh, and the other thing, I mean, we have, we have three daughters and we've warned them about this kind of thing as they get older, as they're going to... Uh, so our oldest is in high school. Our, both our two oldest are in high school. One's a... One's grade nine, one's grade 11. And as the older they get, the more opportunities are going to come their way where they're going to be invited to some kind of an event where there's alcohol uh, or some kind of, you know, activity that we've warned them against. So, right. Like if you think of, I mean, if I think of parties that I went to in high school, there was, there were ones that had drinking, there were guys outside smoking marijuana, like there was all sorts of stuff going on. So the older you get, uh, the more opportunities are going to come along and then pressure is going to come come with that where your friends are doing it and they're going to tempt you say, come on, it's no big deal. Just do it. Go ahead. And right. That kind of all that kind of stuff. But now what we have on top of that is we have the date rape drug, mm-hmm. which now you've got girls walking around and they put their cup down, which has the drink. And maybe they're only planning to have one drink that night, but they put it down. The guy, some guy with ill intentions see, sees that and drops the little thing in there. It doesn't change the taste of it. She just keeps mm-hmm. drinking. Next thing you know, she's passed out. He's taking her home. I'm, and and he the next day is, oh, no, you you totally consented. You were just so gone that maybe you don't remember or whatever. And, and she's like, no, that's. So anyway, so we've got this this thing where, yes, it's possible to drink yourself to that state, but there's also now these drugs that people get dropped into there. And, and I'm going to add another drinks. thing to this. My time in ministry, what I've also seen 
this is interesting. I've been in ministry now for 16 years. And when I first started young adult ministry, the stories that I often would sit and hear young adults tell me is how they had been molested as a child. The longer I've done ministry, those stories have now morphed to I uh, consistently hearing young women talk to me about how they've been raped. Uh, I am convinced that our porn saturated culture yes. uh, adds to this, the, you know, adds to this problem. I remember an interview that I watched with James Dobson, and um, and he was interviewing uh, Ted Bundy. Bundy, Sorry. yeah. He was interviewing Ted Bundy, yeah. And Bundy said something that I thought who is, was who is Ted Bundy? Okay, yeah. If you don't know who Ted Bundy is, he's a serial killer from the seventies. Uh, that and eighties and eighties, yeah, mm-hmm. that killed and raped, raped and killed over thirty young women. In Washington and Oregon, I think. I believe so. Yeah, mainly in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. He mm-hmm. ultimately was sentenced to death uh, mm-hmm. via electrocution. But before he, right before he was electrocuted, right before he died, he did an interview with James Dobson, and one of the things that he said in there that I thought was quite interesting is he said that he couldn't naturally bring himself to rape women that he could only take himself so far down that path. And to make it the rest of the way he needed to drink his consciousness. Um, he needed mm-hmm. to silence his, he needed to silence the remainder of his consciousness with alcohol is what he said. Wow. And I thought that was quite fascinating because think about what you get then with a porn saturated culture that goes to parties with everybody is drinking mm-hmm. and their, their conscience that normally perhaps wouldn't act out on something like rape yeah. is, is now, um, subdued, if yeah. you will, yeah. through the alcohol. Uh, and, and people are, you know, and people are 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 taking advantage of that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andy. I mean, we, wow. we you brought that up when we chatted about it last. And the thing it reminded me of is I wrote a paper when I was in uh, in college. I was doing a semester abroad in England, and I wrote it was in like an anthropology of religion class. We were looking at uh, various religions, and one of the th- common things that you see come up in early religions, especially like if you go visit other areas in the world, uh, is in Africa, for example, is the idea of putting on a mask. And when you put on a mask, you become that person. And so I, I said, well, what does that look like if I think every day we often wear masks, right? Mm. So us here, yeah. um, you know, if you at work, sometimes people will uh, wear a different mask, a more professional one. They might wear a different mask when they're out with their friends. When you go out on a date, you have a different mask to impress that person, whatever. You're, you're not going to use the same words in front of your friends as you're going to use in front of your grandma. This idea that, yeah, we'll yeah. wear a mask. And I think one of the masks that we deceive ourselves with is this mask of alcohol that when you drink the alcohol, right? You feel, Oh, I feel kind of better. I feel more courage, right? They liquid courage. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I can go up to that girl and speak to her. And I like I, myself better when I have drank exactly. some alcohol. And so yeah. this idea that I have, I'm now this new person who's looser, I'm, I'm smoother, I'm cooler. But I think what actually happens and it's what you're getting to is, uh, the more alcohol you drink, what's actually happening is it's not a mask that's going on. It's your, all your masks are coming off. Mm-hmm. That's why some people will say I had the most honest conversations when we had a lot of alcohol or, um, you know, that people's true colors and what's actually inside their soul, I argued, is like on full display. So when you think about someone who is completely uh, immersed, immersed in pornography, that very thing is now on full display. And so it's I don't think there's any surprise that if people are like that, mm-hmm. yeah, their ill intentions to take advantage of women like the women they see in the porn videos that's mm-hmm. going to be the natural progression, is it not? 
Well, it, it quite possibly, yeah, it could be. And that's that's the scary thing. I mean, that should be scary for both the girl and the guy. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and if if anything, I, I guess my prayer would be that people are, um, that, that they're finding themselves in Christ. I mean, I, I don't want to, our desire here at Northview is that young men aren't, you know, immersed in pornography. No, yeah. You know, we don't we don't want yeah. that for you. We want to see you in freedom. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we don't want you putting yourself in vulnerable positions either where you're taken advantage of right. or you're the one taking advantage of another person. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the thing, right? Is to assume, oh, you could you could make the assumption on two two ways. Oh, oh, I'll never be raped or oh, I'll never rape someone. Yeah. We mm-hmm. want the freedom without the responsibility. Mm-hmm. In this, right? Mm-hmm. So in the sense that, yeah, there might be a massive dark forest over there that has a monster in it. And the monster is known to attack people every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess you do have the freedom to go through it, but why don't you just take the, the route around it and not go through it? But for whatever reason, people, you know, you can give them this wisdom, but they, especially with our individualistic culture, we have to have that freedom. So when people choose to go down there, they might walk yeah. through and not be attacked by the mm-hmm. monster. But if they go through and, and are attacked, I mean, that sounds like what that judge is going with, where there's, you know, look, you got to make responsible decisions. It's mm-hmm. not okay that this monster is attacking people. Yeah. But, but why, need, don't put yourself there in the first place. Right. Yeah. And, but all of that, like you said, all of that combined with our individualism and our anti-authoritarian uh, nature of, of people, how they don't want anybody to be telling them what to do, what they can do, what they can't do, what they shouldn't do. Right. They want to think that everything that they think or everything that they do is right. This is something that I was talking about recently with our young adults is that basically what we do when we sin is we either question God's love, God's goodness Mm -hmm. or God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. You know, and basically what you find in that Garden of of Eden is is those three things being questioned. Right. Because if you truly believe that God is loves you, mm-hmm. once you're good and God is good, and that God is wise and knows what's going to lead to your flourishing, well, it would be absolutely moronic to do anything other than to follow what God's telling you is going to lead to your flourishing. Right. You know, but but the thing is, though, is we just don't trust him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was actually using the story of, you know, talking to my kids, right? When, when I parent my children, I say, listen, I love you, you know, and I want your good. And I, I have some wisdom here. There are bottles in our houses, our house, with a skull and crossbones on it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't drink that. Yeah. You know, and and it could be easy for my kid to just be like, "Man, my dad is just a killjoy, right? He just <laughs> right. He just doesn't yeah. want to let me have fun or use my, you know, my will and and try things out or whatever." He's like, "No, no, no. I'm not." You know, the mistake would be thinking that the dad's all about the law. Dad's mm-hmm. not all about the law. Dad's about your flourishing and knows that something is going to lead to your harm, yeah. to your death. Right. Yeah, that's totally that's totally right. And the and the idea. So when we talk about the the pornification, right, of our culture, we think about just the damage that that causes to uh, young men's. Uh, minds and their thoughts about sex and what sex should be like. And then that transfers into eventually into their marriages. And, uh, and, and we've just got disaster after disaster that comes through our offices here to talk to us about how their marriage is falling apart because 
Uh, and not just the men either. Now there's, I don't know, 30, I don't know what the percentage is, something like 30% of the population of women now are watching pornography regu- regularly. So we see this on both sides of the equation now and how this is devastating marriages and it's devastating families and devastating individual lives on top of all that. So and it's I think just it's, awful. I think it's good to mention that I think this often gets... Uh, missed because we'll say, listen, pornography is not good for you, but sex is good for you. Sex is yes, good, and God exactly. does, God created it, and it, and it, and He's created pleasure, and He wants you to experience the fullness of it. But God knows how you can best experience the fullness of it. Yeah. The question then becomes: Do you think God loves you? Do you think He's good? And do you think mm-hmm. He's wise? Yeah. Are you going to trust Him? And are you going to follow that He actually knows the best way for you to experience the fullness of of your yeah. sexuality? Yeah. Well, then to bring it back then, is alcohol good in that same way? Well, now, uh, um, you know, Paul, jump in here, but mm-hmm. a- alcohol is a unique one, right? Because you don't have to drink alcohol, no. uh, but you have the choice to drink alcohol. Jesus chose to drink alcohol. Uh, he even made it. He even made it. <laughs> right? Uh, now, there is interesting. There was a time in my life that I chose not, when I first became a Christian, I chose not to drink alcohol for yeah. many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I then I slowly became okay with it. But for me, it was very critical because I had dabbled in alcohol and drugs before I came to Christ. It was absolutely essential for me to that I knew that it did not have a hold on me. Now, to mm-hmm. be honest, though, I would say that I kind of pen- pendulum swung far to the other extreme where I became quite legalistic. Yeah. And that was really why I didn't want to have anything to do with alcohol. Like I'd even get upset with my roommate for making bread with beer or stuff like that. Oh, like I, yeah, was, right. I was quite, quite adamant about it. Yeah. I would be even upset with him if he had it in our, our apartment. Mm. Uh, but so God had to work in me in that regard with, with you know, kind of moving that pendulum back mm-hmm. to something more more center that 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 wasn't uh, quite so legalistic but mm-hmm. listen I've got good friends of mine who have never drank any alcohol in their life and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with that no god bless you it's yeah great. and uh, but at the same time I don't think that there's any problem with having alcohol in moderation at right. all no the scriptures warn us to not get drunk to not become inebriated right like be- beyond the sp- the point where you can control yourself or you can, where you are in control of your actions and your, your thoughts. And, uh, that would go. So same with marijuana. If that ever gets legalized, which it looks like it will here in Canada. Uh, but it sure, it doesn't take much marijuana to become inebriated to the point where you are, you know, you're not. And it's totally the whole point thinking. of marijuana, which is quite different from alcohol. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, Go so ahead. that I so I think when people talk about oh, eventually that's that question's going to come up, and it has already. Like when it's legal, can Christians have marijuana? Well, if that's gonna if it's gonna lead to your inebriation where you can't control yourself properly anymore, then that's not a good idea because that's the same as getting drunk. So now, yeah, now somebody though could be get legalistic on that and say, mm-hmm. well, you can never have marijuana, and I would say. Well, there are times that you could, like, let's imagine it was prescribed to you by your doctor mm-hmm. and, and it was prescribed in a certain kind of way mm-hmm. that this doctor thought that it would be helpful for you or what it may be with yeah. your, like I've had friends that have suffered from migraines mm-hmm. that get to, that had it prescribed in certain ways yeah. that was totally legitimate in mm-hmm. the same way when you're in pain, you can have an opioid, 
you know, uh, yeah. prescribed to you. Mm-hmm. But yet, at the same time, uh, but, but notice how the purpose is different, yeah. right? Yeah. The purpose is quite, is, 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 I think the intention is quite significant. Yeah. When people are using marijuana, for example, the, the, uh, intent is inebriation. Yes. Right. Whereas if you're using some, if, if something's being prescribed to you, the, the intent is to help you out. Maybe it's with pain or headache or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, however that's being used. Uh, whereas with alcohol, you can drink alcohol without the intent of uh, inebriation. Mm-hmm. Right. When you have it in moderation, like we're talking about not getting drunk, you can have a drink and not get to the point that we're talking about, not to get to the point where you're drunk and unable to think straight and unable to talk clearly and all those kinds of things. Uh, but when, but yeah, so exactly what you're saying, the the whole the idea of the intent, what's the purpose of going to it? Um, in the in the New Testament, like we said, Jesus made it. Uh, the Jesus Bible. plays bartender at, the, at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've got you've got the the New Testament showing that you've uh, also the Apostle Paul actually tells Timothy. Uh, I can't remember it's First or Second Timothy, but tells him. Uh, Drink some alcohol. You're having some stomach stomach issues. Stop just drinking water, but have a little wine with that. So we see this, we see it being used in proper ways. So that way it would look, sound like Paul's prescribing it more like in a medicine fashion. Like this is for your health, man. Now it is interesting to note, I have uh, friends that have struggled with addiction and when they come over to my house, uh, I don't offer them alcohol. And as I've been in conversations with them where they've thought, "Mm, maybe I, you know, I've been clean for 12 years. Maybe I could go back to alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, my counsel to them is absolutely not. Mm -hmm. You know, why, why on earth would you go back to something that has enslaved you before? Because you think you're not going to get enslaved this time. Right. You know, like whatever it is that enslaves you, like whether or not it's alcohol or something else, like don't go back, you know, stay, stay clean. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and so and you know and thankfully my friends have 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 stayed that course. Yeah. And in fact, I just got a text from one of them today that's been eight years clean. Mm, and wow. uh, and I just say praise God. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would I would say as well when you when you get to that I think there are people that you hear of that are able to get to that point where they were alcoholics and then they get off of it for a certain amount of time and then now they're able to enjoy a beer once in a while or whatever. But that is not the norm, no. I would say. No. Most and, people, and like you're saying, if it was something that enslaved you in the past, why are you running back to your old slave master? Mm-hmm. Like, stay with your new master. His name's Jesus, and he loves you, and he knows what's best for you. Amen. So, I mean, we've been talking about this for a while, but I guess one last question then, Paul, is to you as a care pastor, to someone who is enslaved uh, to something like alcohol um, or even pornography or um, marijuana, whatever, uh, what kind of, how would you counsel them? Just really briefly, what kind of steps should they take in order to, to beat this? Uh, well, number one, um, admit it to somebody that you know and that you trust. So if you have a mentor or uh, maybe it's your spouse, right? Sometimes people are closet alcoholics uh, and they, they're doing this without they're managing to do it in complete secrecy and which, which is amazing to me that you can actually do something like that. But I've heard and I've met people that have done this. They've managed to keep it a complete secret, even from their spouse. 
So I would say, number one, realize it's a problem and admit it. If you're a Christian, you've probably already been confessing it to God and, and you know that this is a sin that you're involved in, whether it's like Daniel mentioned, either pornography or alcohol, or maybe it's a drug of some kind. And you know that you're addicted and you know that this is an issue for you. And yet you just keep going back to it, even though you confess it to God. But the spirit works in us. Uh, he lives inside us as Christians. He dwells within, within us. He brings us that conviction, but then he also works through the community around us. So this is why it's so important and so vital to be a, a functioning, active member in your church. Mm. So be involved with other Christians, whether that in like come on Sundays, yes, but also have a healthy community of Christians around you who you can t- be totally open with. People that you can confess to and uh, like Galatians tells us to confess our sins to each other and to bear one another's burdens. Mm. And so we need to be open to this and, and take off the mask like you mentioned earlier, right? The, the mask that I'm good and I'm perfect and that I'm doing everything well. But then admit your sins, admit your struggles to your brothers and sisters around you. And then take some wise courses of action, which are uh, find a way to get off of alcohol. So there, there are great ministries around here like the Samaritan Inn. Um, there are ministries at, um, particularly ones we often will send people to over at, uh, Hill City Church has one, a, a ministry there. Seven Oaks Alliance also has one too. And these are primarily for drug and alcohol addiction to get off of these. And so they come at it from a Christ centered biblical approach to the, the reasons and they give you good uh, reasons not to remain addicted, but to get off of whatever these things are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say admit these things, um, confess it to God, confess it to the loved ones around you, surround yourselves with good Christians who will hold you accountable and, and love you well, and truly seek some help. Uh, and if you need to come and talk to us here at Northview, we have or I'm happy to sit and talk with you. If you're a lady, probably want to talk with Thalia. Um, How would they get a hold of you? Uh, do you have a, is there a care email? Mm-hmm. Care at northview.org. Cool. Works. Or you can just call the office and leave me a voicemail that comes into my email as well. Awesome. So, yeah, great, both great ways to get a hold of us. Awesome. But, yeah, don't, don't stay sitting in it. Uh, One of the biggest lies that I think people can believe is that they can defeat this alone. Oh, yeah. It's, not, it's never going to happen. Nope. That's for sure. Cool. Well, thanks for that, guys. That was a good journey. Um, I, the next topic I want to talk about is this idea. Uh, Paul, I want you to t- chime in here, but also Andy you might have some input. Um, but this idea that to those who have grown up in the church for years and years, heard the teaching and, and heard like you know, maybe really solid teaching for all that time, mm. uh, a lot of times we can gain a lot of head knowledge, but not necessarily heart knowledge. In the sense that we can hear the same thing about God and his grace and the gospel so many times that eventually it just doesn't really move. It doesn't move us like it used to. We just, maybe we become numb to it or we're just used to that language. How would you, um, what, what kind of advice would you give to someone who might be in that kind of state as of how to move this head knowledge into new heart knowledge? What, what kinds of resources would you recommend? What kind of practices? I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the church. 
uh, grew up my whole life until, uh, well, even after I got married yeah. and got baptized at South Abbotsford MB. MEI, grad. A good church. Yeah, went to, went to MEI and... Uh, I actually shared this my my kind of testimony that way at a um, at a recent uh, seasons lunch. So seasons is a ministry for for seniors here, where they get together once a once a month and they have lunch together, good meal, kind of like a banquet, and they're singing and they. I mean, it's great. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic ministry that our seasons committee runs, and Pastor Vic's often there. But he was on vacation, so I went and shared that day. And so I was able to talk that day about my story. The whole theme of the day was stories. People were to give up and talk about stories in their lives of how God has worked and things. So I talked about my story, talked about growing up in the Mennonite church, being a, uh, going to, going to MEI, uh, South Abbotsford, getting baptized there, um, knowing what Rolkukin and Veranaki and... Uh, MCC sale. All of these, yes, right. And eating Rempel's farmer sausage is a main staple, right? There's a lot of a lot of these things that that um, growing up around here, it was like, well, if you're at least in Mennonite circles, if you these are things Christians do. So it felt kind of like if as long as I do all these things, go to Wee College, go to Sunday school. If as long as I do all these things, uh, then I'm good. Then I'm a Christian. And so you had this, so I, at least I kind of grew up with this idea that if I am doing all the right things, then I'm good in God's book. Like in God's, like I'm a-okay. I've, I've earned his favor yeah, kind of. It's like religion. Right. Basically living a right. religion. And it's, and it's works, it's kind of a works-based righteousness. And this was no, no fault to the people raising me or training me or, the church I went to, like they were preaching the right stuff. It was just that this is what was going on in my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I was just saying at this luncheon, like all these things, and, and I would list off a few things and I said, but that's not what saved me. And then I would lift off a few more and say, that's not what saved me. It's not going to seminary, selling my house, going to seminary and coming back and working at Northview as a pastor. These are all good things, but none of these are what saved me. What saved me was the grace of God through the righteousness of Christ and his life and death and resurrection. And I was basing it out of Philippians three, uh, the righteousness that comes by faith. So I think for, so my story growing up was that it was kind of this, it felt like a works-based thing. Like I could lose my salvation if I did the wrong thing. So if I watched the wrong thing, I felt like, Oh my goodness, I've just cost myself eternity I need to repent and be really good for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I would fall again and watch something that I shouldn't watch and then, or say something I shouldn't say or do something I shouldn't do or think something, right? Like all these different ways that we sin. And eventually God just grabbed a hold of my heart and just said like, like, listen, it's my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. It's my, it's the, the Lord's work, his perfect obedience of his life, his sacrifice, not my obedience, not my sacrifice. It's all by putting my faith in Christ. And so it was, and there was a point where just all of a sudden my eyes were open to understanding the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I, all I can say is this is a work of God in, in my life. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not my own work. So, but I, so I had that head knowledge, right? Yeah. But that, 
depth of heart, uh, there, there just came a point where I just had to repent of everything mm. and had to confess absolutely everything. And once I was able to do that, uh, then it seemed like the Lord really just gave me a passion for his word and a passion to um, be, be in the church, be more involved in the church. So what kind of things do you do now to keep fostering that heart knowledge? Um, well, I spend time uh, reading my Bible. Mm-hmm. So Psalm 1 is a, a fantastic text, which talks about what it's like to, and, and what happens with a man who um, pays attention to God's word and meditates on his law. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, so we don't spend our time always with those who are rebelling against God or who have their mindset on things against God, but not with those people. And it says, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So the law of the Lord, right? For us as Christians, we're looking at the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. And the one who does this, verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in, ju- in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the one who meditates on God's law and who, who reads his word, prays through it, spends time with others talking about it, hears it taught on a Sunday morning, sits in a community group, talks about it, prays about it. The one who spends a lot of time in God's word and is um, just meditating on it in that way is blessed. Mm. And the Lord works through his word. Uh, Philipp, or, uh, Hebrews 4 tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. So yeah, staying in the spiritual disciplines of reading your Bible, coming to church regularly on Sundays. And when I say regularly, I mean every week. Every Sunday, yeah. Yeah, not just once a month. That's probably not regular enough. Yeah. Spending time in prayer. These are the things that we counsel people to do when they're feeling like they're far from the Lord. And as you spend time in his word, the Holy Spirit will work on you. Mm-hmm. Andy, would you add anything to that? Yeah, the thing, I, the only thing I would add is just uh, that I just would encourage people to know that, that this is a process. And I would say mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm in that process. And totally, I, you know, it, like having arrived, mm-hmm. I am learning to walk in the spirit. I am, mm-hmm. I'm learning to love God. I'm learning to know him more and to love him more. And yeah. And I, it, and it's just, it's this ongoing process. One of the things I love about my faith is that, is that Christ keeps drawing me deeper and deeper into this relationship with him. And it's not like I've reached some plateau and I'm like, well, there, you know, I, I'm here, you know, you know, it's like, well, this is boring. No, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as I'm following Christ and as I'm walking, uh, as Paul says in Galatians, walking in the spirit, I, mm-hmm. I'm being drawn deeper into a relationship with him. And the thing that for me that I would say at this point in my journey, what I'm learning is that I, I'm learning that 
walking with the Lord is is a, a significant aspect of who and what I am as a human being, mm-hmm. and that in in doing so, you know, I'm I'm learning uh, to be become more human in my ability uh, to in in that learning to love God as I was created mm. to do and learning to love each other. As, Paul, as, as Jesus tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's a Hebrew way of saying, love God with everything that it is to be human. Everything. Mm. Yeah. The whole of you. Totally. Right? And then and then in that, learn to love other people. This is, this is something that we are learning and we're doing. And ultimately, here's the last thing I'd say, you have to put it to practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the thing that's interesting that I think with Paul using the analogy of walking, Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that we know about walking is the only way to walk is to lean so far forward that you start to fall. Mm-hmm. You know, you're off balance. You're, you're propelled forward, mm-hmm. and and I think it's one of those things where you can't just stay static. You you move forward. You move forward in in the way that you love God. You move forward in the way that you love people, and in doing so, you're going to walk in relationship with mm-hmm. God as He is going to sustain you. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, our walk is a walk of repentance and faith. Yeah. Uh, this is what one thing that we talked about in seminary, or even if you think about the Reformation uh, thing that just happened, right? The anniversary, the uh, rep- Martin Luther's first thing that he nailed up on the door was that all of a Christian's life should be repentance. Mm. So I think something that we might think when we grow up in the church is that, oh, I've repented and put my faith in Christ when I was 10 or when I was 12. And no, you Maybe you did, but you also have to be doing that now. This is a, it's a, it's a life of perseverance of that. Turning away from anything distracting you from God and putting your attention back on him. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Exactly. That's cool. Guys, I like that. That was really good. Um, I mean, when I think about that, I think, yeah, scripture, prayer, the disciplines, mm-hmm. that's number one. Uh, one of the things that's been really helpful to me as I've been studying here and doing seminaries, just we get to do lots of readings. And so reading, um, some of the insights that other preachers and pastors and theologians have had into the, you know, like about the Bible um, has spoken to me in a sense that like these are older people who have already walked this for a long time and they're, Mm. they're helping me, you know, Mm. uh, continue to live my faith. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I've just been reading lots of Tim Keller and every once in a while, like a diamond, you know, I thought I knew this really well and maybe he just phrases something differently. And it's like, you see a different side of the diamond. You're like, I never thought of it like that before. Mm-hmm. And for me, that really speaks to my heart and I, mm-hmm. you know, stirs my affections for Christ. So yep. I think, yeah, you got to be immersed in the disciplines in scripture and prayer, mm-hmm. um, but also be, be examining other resources, pod- podcasts and um, other books written by, you know, credible people that can also help illuminate some of those other angles you might be missing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, guys, that's been a good podcast. Thank you to the listeners for sticking with us this long. I hope that was a a good listen. Hope it was helpful. And uh, as we close, just remember that you can email your questions in to extra at northview.org. We'll try to get to them. And uh, do not forget to stop by and pick up your beautiful white human project mug with the blue logo the black riding that thing is iconic mug all the proceeds yeah well all the proceeds <laughs> go to banana bread barb and uh anyways we look forward you to bet. speaking to you next week have a good day